around the throne of God, praising the Lord all our eternity. So don't get too excited about it at all. Well, you know, you don't always, you're not always given a topic or asked to preach on this particular, uh, a particular topic, uh, but I have been asked to preach on the subject of preaching. And uh, I, I reckon if you were to be given the topic of salvation, the first thing I would think the topic of preaching, I would think of second. Turn there and stand, and we won't get very far because just one, one or two verses really is all that really needs to be said when it comes to the subject of preaching. I believe that Second Timothy 4, and Paul knowing this, this crowd understands, that the Apostle Paul is writing his very last words. These are going to be the last words that he would write that would become the Scripture, the Word of God, and we know that he had a love for Timothy. I believe that Timothy became the pastor at Ephesus. I believe the church at Ephesus started the churches of the seven churches in Asia Minor. So Timothy was a very key man in the sense of trained by the Apostle Paul, traveled with him. And so there was a love there, a preacher, preacher, a, a older preacher to a younger preacher. Now that just overwhelms my soul that men would invest themselves in other men so that they can learn the things that they need to learn. Paul did that with Timothy. And so you know the love that he had toward Titus and Timothy. We come down and we even call them, call these books the pastoral epistles because he's given instruction. And you understand that when somebody's going to give their last words, and I have, I sat at the bedside of Art Wilson to and uh, just reminded of the words that he said, those things that he said to me in that 15-minute conversation are something a younger preacher, as he looks at an older preacher who's about to go out to eternity, those are important things that he would say. Those are things he would say. Well, this is what Paul said. Paul said, Timothy, now we live in a, a difficult times. And so everybody wants to think today is more difficult than maybe what... Timothy was going through, and I, I pretty much disagree with that. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, if we, if, if Paul had a, if they'd have had Fox News and CNN in the day of the Apostle Paul, they would have talked about how great Nero is. Now we just have to look Pelosi and some of these other clowns are. And this ain't a political message. I'm just telling you, there are a bunch of wackos, some of these people that are looked at as normal. Nero was not normal. And he persecuted God's people. And, and then you go down through the ages. Look at the dark ages and the Baptists going through all of that. And then the 60s. And I mean, I, I grew up in the 60s where the uh, cultural revolution and the hippies. And, and now we're pastoring the hippies' grandchildren. You understand what I'm saying? So there's always been perilous times. And, and there's always been uh, without natural affection. There's always been traitors and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. There's always been a sense of having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. So with that mindset and that culture in the background, some of the very last words that the Apostle Paul are going to be these. And that's found in chapter 4, verse number 1. Timothy... I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. I never get tired of saying that. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Alright, Paul, what am I supposed to preach? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Wow, we see that even today. We see that even today. I, I'm going to have a word of prayer and you can be seated, but thinking of that because that's not in my message, but I remember I was preaching somewhere. I was pastoring Nobnoster. Calvary Baptist Church for 12, almost 12 years, and I had come back down to this area to preach a revival for someone. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was in the vicinity enough that they had the Springfield News Leader. 
And uh, I had picked it up on a Sunday morning, and one of the articles in the newsletter was the biggest Sunday school. This was the headlines, and this probably 20 years ago, 25. The, at that time, the, the, the um, headline in one of the sections of the paper, wasn't the front page, but one of the sections, was biggest Sunday school in uh, Springfield area. And in this Sunday school, they would watch Andy Griffin. Now, I like Barney and his bullet and all that. I don't know what you're going to do with Andy and his cigarette and that. But, but, but uh, I mean, but, but they would have Sunday school class, and then they would give a spiritual application to Andy Griffin. Now, that's being turned into fables. But you see, that's morphed, and now it's even, it's even morphed today where that's kind of like the normal. And to go to a church where the man of God opens up the Word of God and preaches it to the people, by, 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 staying, by staying by the Word of God, we've become different. Which is very unfortunate. But that's not my text, that's not my message. My message this morning is this, very simply, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Lord, we need You today. I need You so badly. Lord, I need to not say anything that would, would be that You would not want me to say, but at the same time, Lord, I want to say exactly what needs to be said from the text and from the heart of the Apostle Paul to this young man, Timothy, who had a nervous stomach and, and maybe was just a little nervous about the culture and the day and, and, the, and the idea that he was a pastor and that he would... Uh, be taking the place, if you could, of the older pastor, brother, brother Paul. Oh God, we need the same thing that Timothy needed. We need to be reminded of perilous times in which we live. We need to be reminded of what our responsibility is during the time in which we live. And oh God, I pray this morning that those that are here, would be reminded that we are not to follow the culture or the day or the times or the politics or the whatever it might be. Whatever thing might come along that's going to come along, there'll be something new tomorrow and there'll be something new next year. But the Word of God does not change. Or the responsibility to preach the Word. In Christ's name we ask, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing uh, for those uh, few minutes there. Paul is charging Timothy concerning the work of a preacher. And he's doing it in what he called perilous times. And he gives, an, he gives a uh, description of those perilous times back in chapter number 3. And then he also talks about how his ministry and his uh, testimony that, that he would say to Timothy, Now you know my testimony, you know the things I've gone through. You know my doctrine, you know my manner of life, you know my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. These are all things that he's spoke of before he, would preach, before he would say the words that he just said. He talks about the persecutions and afflictions. And I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul went through a lot of things uh, in his day. Then he moves down and he begins to remind him of some things, which I would like to do for just a way of introduction before we move to chapter uh, number, uh, really chapter, verse number two of chapter number four. And uh, he's, he's charging him in verse number one, and he says this, I'm charging you because you need to understand that Jesus Christ shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. So he's going to give him a reminder of why he needs to not only understand we live in perilous times. I don't think you have to tell this crowd we live in perilous times. I don't think you've had to tell any crowd in any generation uh, that we live in perilous times. But there, it is amazing that so much of chapter 3 in the verse part of when he speaks about perilous times that you can almost take the USA Today, the CNN, the uh, Fox News and all of it, and you can see things every day on the news that speaks about those things right there that is spoken about. And so we could say that we live in a culture of perilous times. I, I remember uh, saying that when our church went through a lawsuit, well, they never taught this in Bible college. There was no Bible Institute class for going through a lawsuit uh, when the culture would, you know, there was a day that at least 
people would have some kind of respect for a church or some kind of respect for a preacher. But that those days, we, we live long past those days. But, but I don't think we should be crying about it or whining about it or worrying about it and woe is me. Uh, because we are reminded, as Paul reminded Timothy, is that we are reminded that Jesus Christ will come back as a returning judge. And Paul is therefore charging Timothy before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't even have to say very much, but what a warning for all of us that our ministries <coughs> are going to be judged by God. They're not going to be judged by man. They're not going to be judged by someone uh, else, but they are going to be judged by God. And therefore, I do believe we need to be concerned about compromise. I do believe we need to be concerned about the methods in which we use, in which the day that we live. Now, I'm glad that I'm very simple. I'm glad that I'm so simple that I don't know a lot of this stupid stuff going on. I just think simplicity is the best way to be. You know, if you're going to play baseball... The, the best way to play baseball is to follow the fundamentals of baseball. If you're going to follow, if you're going to play football, the best way to do is follow, follow the fundamentals, fundamentals of the game. That's why I like defense. But Paul is charging Timothy before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this doesn't just apply to preachers, of course, but this would apply to everyone because the Bible says that every believer will face Christ. Every person will give an account of himself. For we all must appear for, before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. When Paul said we must all appear, he meant this. We must all appear. Meaning that every child of God will answer to the Lord for what he's done since the day that he got saved by the grace of God. He would say in 1 Corinthians also, Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it hath been revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If, ever, if any man's work abide, which he hath built up thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So I think, I think that you understand that every person is going to give an account. So therefore... Every preacher, every pastor, every evangelist, every minister uh, that has been called to God to preach the Word of God is going to give an account of his ministry. Now, I wanted to just give you uh, my heart. Uh, it doesn't take long for that to ha fall out on the floor. But I still believe, I still like the term, call to preach. I think it's a Bible term. And today we've changed it all. And I'm not getting on anybody called into the ministry doing this. How about just the call to preach the Word of God and then whatever God does as the office of that, it's, it needs to be reminded that the greatest responsibility of a preacher is to preach the Word. Amen. That is the responsibility that Paul is going to give. And so when you go to Romans chapter 14... And Paul said that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He says, For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall, listen to this, I want, I want to key in on this, shall give an account of himself to God. Now, I love words. I, I believe that the Bible is full of them. And therefore those words are to be studied and to, and to dissect it. And that word, uh, the word account, we're going to give an account. The word account means we're going to give a narrative of our life. God is running a journal on us. Now I don't know about you, but this just, this makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up, causes me to examine my ministry, my pastorate, my preaching, my relationships, everything. Because God said, I'm running a narrative. You're going to give an account of it. My, uh, for Christmas this year, I received a five-year journal. And, and the reason is, is because for five years, for the last ten years, I've said to my wife, and I've said this stuff, and I put stuff in a calendar, you know, I write maybe something happened in a calendar, and I've always said, man, I should keep a journal. And I read, uh, and, uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, when he, when he went in to be the president, uh, he decided that he was going to write a journal every day, and he did. He wrote a journal. He wrote a diary. Some people call it a diary, a journal. He wrote in it every day of his, of his, uh, 
of his uh, presidency. There was only one day of all the eight years that Reagan was president that he did not make a memo in his journal, and it was the day after he got shot. The day after he got shot, he went into the he went in to have a surgery. He was laying on the table. He looked around. A direct quote: He said, "I hope uh, I hope uh, all the doctors are Republicans." And the doctor said, uh, "Mr. President, today we're all Republicans." I like that quote. We should all be Republicans for the sake of Ronald Reagan. Uh, now, preach that somewhere and you'll get... Uh, but it, it doesn't matter, so anyhow. That's not the part of the preaching. That was just... And so I read... So after Reagan died, uh, he had instructed his journal to be given to a particular writer. And I don't... I forget the man's name. But I picked the book up, hardbound copy. It's about this thick. And I read the journal. I read the whole book. It's an amazing to listen to his heart and when things were going on. And I was in the, I served in the military the whole time. My whole six years, Reagan was the president. He served for eight years. Out of those six years, I was in the military. And so I remember when things were going on. I remember the day, my wife was in surgery the day Reagan was shot. I was a military man. I was sitting in the, uh, sitting in the uh, waiting room when, when the, when the news came over. And my wife's in surgery and Reagan's been shot and I was in turmoil. Over both of them. And, uh, and so we know he made a recovery. So anyhow, there were things that were happening during those times. You know, Iran-Contra. And so he made this journal and he, and he wrote, wrote it. You know what he did? He made a narrative of what took place, in his opinion, about his, uh, about his uh, presidency. So I've always said that I was going to do that, and I never have. But I was given this journal, and I started on January the 1st. And so far, I've made a, I've made a, I've made a writing every day. I've made a narrative of something that happened that day, something that I did, what I was preaching, maybe what happened in the church and, and all that. And, and I'm going to try, I'm going to try to, to fill out a five year journal. It'll take me from the age of 58 to about 62 or 63 if I can do it. Now, I, I want to put it in a sealed uh, vault somewhere and have it burned after I die. You understand what I'm saying? Because I may say something about somebody else that that day. You know what I'm saying? When we, yeah, burn it is right. I'll have my wife burn it. But the idea of that journal, or the idea of an account, is that and 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 it's and it's something. But listen, it's not so much the journal that I'm keeping; it's the journal God's keeping. And that's why He said we're going to give in a narrative of our life. So, therefore, that brings me to the text this morning. And that is, because if we're reminded of this, reminded of what? We're reminded we live in perilous times. Uh, we're reminded that uh, everybody ain't for us. Everybody's not going to listen to what is being said. Uh, some will proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto men, as also there was. But I will tell you, my friend, there is coming a day uh, where we will come to the end of our ministry. And wow, it is coming faster and faster. I, I, I just want to be honest with you. I remember preaching in Missouri preachers' meetings, it seemed not long ago, when they said things like this. Well, we've got this young pastor that's about to come up and preach for us. They were talking about me. That is not said any longer. Now it's like the old gray head now. The old man, Brother Abel's, is coming. I'm like, well, what's wrong with these people? And all of my friends are retiring. Pox on them. Ken Hogan went to college with me. Told me last night he's going to retire. I said, retire from what? <laughs> Anyhow. So therefore, there is a responsibility. Now, I appreciate Brother Elliot and prayer. Praise God, because we need prayer. We need to get in the closet. Compromise, we don't, we, we, we don't have... We can't compromise. When I think of the word compromise, I think of what Jesus said to His disciples when He said... Will you go also? And Peter, he said a lot of things where he stuck his foot in his mouth. I mean, he was always saying that. In fact, I've got a, I, I did a whole series of messages on Peter and the things that he said. But on this day, he said it right. Well, where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to go, Lord? Now, let me just say something about preaching. And I wrote this down just before the message. It just came to me and, and, and I wrote it down. And, and here's what I said. If you want to build a crowd, 
entertain them. That's what people are doing today. But if you want to build a church, by the way, it's not your responsibility and it's not my responsibility to build the church. I don't have enough moxie to do that. My responsibility is to preach the Word of God, be faithful to the Word of God, love people, pray, love them where they're at, and preach the Word of God. Now, if you're a member of Brian Baptist Church, you, or you've ever been under my ministry in the sense of a pastor, you've probably heard me say this at some point or another. And the best thing that I can do for you is not visit you in the hospital, even though I probably will, if I like you. But the best thing that I can do is stand in the pulpit week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, and preach the Word of God uncompromising, and you just preach it. And you know what happens? Lives are changed. People grow closer to God. Now I'll get back to this. But let me just say, uh, the responsibility that we have in preaching has everything to do with the Word of God. Notice back in chapter 3, and I've mentioned much of chapter 3, and boy, there's a lot in there, but I want you to notice back what Paul said just before he begins these words. In chapter 3 and verse 16, he says this, Timothy, I know I keep saying Timothy, but but the emphasis here is he's preaching this to a preacher. He is saying these words, and I know this, and you know this, he's under the inspiration The Holy Spirit of God is in control. He is the writer of the Bible. It is God's words. I know all of that. But sometimes you just need to make it personal. Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now I believe if you read those with uh, the right heart, you will understand, God is very serious about His Word. The Bible declares in Psalm 138 uh, 138 verse 2, that God has magnified His Word above His name. And therefore, Timothy the preacher is charged with the responsibility as being serious about the Bible as God is. And there are several truths that I want to look at this morning when it comes to the preaching of God's Word. Now listen, I uh, grew up uh, in a family that jokesters, I mean my dad, he's going through health issues right now and he can barely walk and we're dealing with him. And you know how he deals with everything? He tells a joke right in the middle of a serious situation. And I grew up in that kind of family. And so because of that, even probably my greatest uh, spiritual gift is sarcasm. It just comes out of me. But listen, let me say something. When you're standing in the pulpit and you're preaching the Word of God, that's serious business. Souls are in the balance. People's lives are in the balance. So let me just tell you a few things about preaching since I've been asked to do it and it's got nothing to do with me. But what does the Bible say about preaching? What does the Word of God say? Well, the first thing is, is this. Preaching is commanded. Alright? Here's what he says. This, this, this is certainly uh, the command. Preach the Word. Now, he doesn't say, tell every story that you know. Even though I'm not against stories and illustrations, they're like windows. Uh, illustrations are like windows. They help you see through. Uh, the, they help you see through into the house. But you don't want a whole house of windows. You want some doors and some walls and and some things like that. So the command to preach the Word, listen to this, this stands as the forefront of the preacher's duty. Now I don't know if this happened on purpose. I have no idea how it happened. But I'm in my 30th year of being a pastor. So I started pastoring in 1989. This is 2019. Didn't even think about that till I was thinking about it, thinking about preaching, 30 years of preaching. And before that, uh, Brother Gray used to send me all over the place preaching here and there. And so I've been preaching longer than 30 years, but I've been pastoring for 30 years. And so during that time as a pastor, somewhere along the line, uh, 
many of my congregation, much of my congregation, not my congregation, God's congregation, He just allowed me to look over it, was military for those first 12 years. And a lot of people never have called me Pastor Abel's. They call me preacher. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't mind that. In fact, I like that, that I am called preacher. And most uh, people call me preacher. All my staff, they don't say Pastor Abel's, Brother Abel's. Uh, they say preacher. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with that. You know why? Because that's our duty. It should be. At the end of the day, they should say of every pastor, he preaches the Word of God. Paul said it like this. <clears throat> said it in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, necessity is laid upon me. Yea, he would go on to say, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's what Paul said. Now, God used that verse in my life in a very strange and unusual way when I was called to preach back uh, in 1984, uh, 85 area. God began to deal with me about... not. He didn't deal with me about the full-time service. He dealt with me about preaching the gospel, preaching the word. And I don't say that to be critical. I'm just telling you what he did in my life. And I struggled with that. And I've talked to Melvin Williams about that. Melvin Williams has got the heart where God, when God called him to preach, he was standing there going, Here, my Lord, send me. That was not my attitude. That was not my demeanor. That was not my function. My function was basically like this. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Lord, but I'm not interested. <laughs> and that's basically how I talk to God, which is very foolish. But I was very young in the Lord. I didn't know anything, and I knew what God was doing. But I said, I'll take a pass, get somebody else. Got my life planned out. I'd rather do these things than that. And so people have heard my testimony, but I quit reading my Bible. I quit doing a lot of things because every time I'd open up the Bible, it'd be something about preaching the Word, doing this, what you're supposed to be. I was driving between uh, Randolph Air Force Base, where we lived, and Fort Sam Houston, where I worked, which is an odd thing, but I worked on, a, I worked on an Army uh, base. There was a big contracting center, but we were stationed at Randolph. And so I had about a 20, 20 minute, 25 minute drive every day. And I'm telling you, when you get silent, God gets loud. And if, the, and, and if we could just get silent, God can speak. And the more silent we get, and the more calm we get, the more God can talk. And so I was doing the opposite. I was trying to shut God out. God wasn't leaving me alone. Holy Spirit of God wouldn't leave me alone. But I was driving down the road uh, to work one day, and, and uh, so... I was going to do some background noise. I was going to turn on the radio to try to get this out of my head, what God was doing. And when I turned the radio on, out came the words right out of the radio. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Click, I turned it off. <laughs> and I was kind of, I did this. And it was on a Christian radio station there in the area. And that's exactly the word. And, and I'm telling you, I turned it on. That's what was said. I turned it off. But you know what? Today, whenever I finally surrendered to preach, and that's a whole different story, and I don't want to go into it. But I will tell you this. Once God called me to preach, then I wanted to preach. And that's why, that's why I have trouble even today telling people no if they call me to preach. First of all, I'm amazed that they want me to preach. But second of all, don't say no, I might not get another opportunity. Dave Hardy told me one time, Brother Abel, you know what the difference between me and you is? I said, no, sir. And he said, the difference between me and you is, he said, I pastored. Uh, I, I, I preached at the place that I pastored, but you pastor so you'll have a place to preach. I said, yeah, that's pretty much true. <laughs> Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is me. Woe speaks of grief. Woe speaks of anguish. Now let me ask you, preacher, is it woe if you preach not the gospel? Because the command and the call to preach, Paul makes it very clear that he would have been miserable man if he didn't preach. My pastor, brother Leon Gray, used to say to young men who would approach him about the call to preach, he would say to them, and, and, and if you, you may have been said this, he may have said this to you, one thing he would say, one thing would be when a man would say, uh, Brother Gray, uh, how do you know God's calling you to preach? He would say, well, sounds like He already is. 
if a guy asks that question. But that's not the quote I want to give you. Here, here's what he would say. He would say, if you can do anything else, do it. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, what he meant was, is if you're really called by God to preach, you won't be able to do anything else. Nothing else will satisfy. And Paul said, and Paul said it like this. When, when he was, listen, when he left Ephesus, and he was headed to Jerusalem, where eventually he would make it to Rome, and he, and he's on the, and he's on that, he's on that boat, and he goes by the seacoast, and he looks over there, and there's the city Ephesus, and he, he said, I'm gonna go past Ephesus, I'm gonna, I'm trying to get to Jerusalem, but he couldn't help himself. He called for the elders of Ephesus, in Acts chapter number 20. Why? Because Paul loved preachers. He loved his young men. He loved Timothy and Tychius and Trophimus and Gaius. He loved those men who had been called by God to preach and he wanted to instill in them. And you know what he said to those men? Those men of Ephesus, he said, But none of these things move me. My life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord. Jesus to testify of the grace of God, and now behold, I know that you, I, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Why? Why was Paul able to say that? Because he said, "For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God." So I want you to understand that. Preaching is commanded. A faithful pastor will declare the whole counsel of God. He will not just preach that which will make people feel good. He will not preach that uh, which just will be popular with the crowd. The purpose of preaching the Word of God is to expose the Word of God to those who are listening. It must be understood that God's Word is to be the source of the preacher's sermon as God leads him through the Word of God. The Bible, listen, the Bible is the main textbook. That's why I believe very strongly, very strongly in expository Bible preaching. Preach the Word. When the Bible says preach the Word, you know what it means? Preach the Word. Preach the Bible. That, by the way, just a young men, I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> just a young men, understand this. When you preach through the Bible, word by word, verse by verse, they can't accuse you of getting on their sin. Well, uh, you, because people who only preach topical messages, they sit in their office and they think about somebody and they go look for a, they, they got all these things they want to say and then they try to find a text that'll go with what they want to say. Why don't you just preach the Bible, the Word of God, preach the Word, and watch it, watch it take care of itself. Preaching is commanded. Preaching is continual. Look at verse 2. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. There are only two seasons in which to preach the Word of God. That is in season and out of season. What does that mean? That means when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. We're never off duty. We must be ready at all times the Word of God. I have always had a hard time, as I mentioned, saying no to preaching because of the process of what God did in my life. Peter said, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always. The reason of the hope, fear. I don't think we should judge preaching by the week. I think we should judge it by the decades. Preach the Word of God for ten years, and then see what God does. Entertain people for 10 years and see what that does. Two different things. Now that I'm getting older, and I was talking to another seasoned pastor, and he said, you know, somebody asked me to write an article in a paper or whatever about how in the world, how did you build this church or how did you do that? And I'm like, we don't build a church. God does. We're just called and commanded to preach the Word and to do it continually. And then, we're to do it with conviction. I'll never forget, when I was pastoring in Knobnoster, there was a lady in our church named Augustina Parker. 
Augustina Parker was from Panama. She spoke Spanish. That was her native language. Her father came over and visited her at one time, and she came to me and said, Preacher, Dad's coming. He doesn't speak English. Do you have any suggestions? I said, yeah. Sit on the back row and try to do the best you can of telling him what's going on. And uh, so uh, later on, I don't know, a week or so later, I said, how did it go with your dad? I noticed you were back there, and she may have even sat in the training room, and uh, and, and she would listen to the message, and you would say, Elder Dad, what we're saying. So she, she said, well, let me just tell you this. Said We went home, we were having lunch, and she said, um, well, Dad, what would you think about church? Because he's Catholic, so totally different, you know, ain't kneeling up and down, unless you got one of them song leaders think you got to kneel up and down all the time. So he said, said we're, uh, uh, she said, what'd you think about the service, you know, the singing? And he said in Spanish to her, he goes, I have no idea, I don't have no idea what that guy said, but I believe that he believed that he believed what he was saying. Amen. Well, you should. You preach the word of God with conviction, but the preacher is commanded to reprove. That's what the Bible says. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove. Back in chapter 16, the Word of God is, is inspired by God and is pro- profitable for doctrine, but is also uh, profitable for reproof. Folks, we need reproving. Amen. The Bible is a reproving thing. Amen. Vance Havner said, All preaching ought to comfort. You know, uh, we uh, probably won't be coming back to your church. Oh, well, I'll probably lose sleep over that tonight. So, But you have to ask, okay, why, why would you say that? Because I have to ask. I'll smile. Well, too much doctrine. You preach way too much doctrine. You know what they're saying? You preach way too much Bible. Well, like what are you looking for? You see, the word reprove means to admonish, to convict, to convince, to tell a fault. Bring, it means to bring sin to light and expose it for what it is. Jesus said that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It is amazing that if you just preach the Word of God, it will expose people's sin. And man tries to hide his sin under the cover of darkness because he knows it is evil. He doesn't like the light because it exposes his sin. Man, I'm telling you, when I got saved and the Bible was being preached, every service it seemed like me and my wife were having to go home and change something. We had to get rid of stuff. Uh, we had to take pictures off our wall. We ha- I had to I had to throw I had to bust up a 250 album collection that I had that I had uh, uh, accumulated over the last probably nine years. But you know why? It's because it was sinful music. It was wicked music. And those pictures on our wall and the things, that they, were, they, were, they, were, uh, uh, <clears throat> they were on the fringe. I didn't want to be on the fringe. And the Word of God was able to shine the light upon my sin. Listen, if you preach the Word, it will expose people's sin. In fact, preaching is confrontational. Preaching is confrontational. Verse number 2, it says not only uh, to be instant in season, out of season, reprove, but then there's another word, rebuke. Now, every most preachers like this one. Yes, rebuke. No one likes to be rebuked. What does rebuke mean? It means to be corrected. See, not only do you have to expose the Bible, not only when it's preached, does expose sin, but it also corrects people. That's what God's Word does. It corrects us. In other words, once the sin is brought out into the light and exposed, there must be an instruction on how to correct the problem. Don't tell me the problem unless there's a solution for it or you have an idea for it. The preacher must take his responsibility so serious and warn of the behavior that is not pleasing and honoring to God But he also must be able to give them the answer to what the Bible says. Noah confronted sin of his day. Moses confronted sin in his day. Elijah confronted sin in his day. Jonah, Isaiah, Jeremiah in the previous message on compromise was exposing to the people that if they did not do what God said, they would go into Babylonian captivity and they would not hear. 
We need to tell people that if they don't get saved, they're going to go to hell. I had a lady, I preached on hell one time. It was, in the, it was in the text. She came up and said, you scared my children. I said, good. You let them watch all that crazy Hollywood and mess, and you let them be scared about that, but they're going to die and go to hell. And I probably said it about like that. And so I'm glad. I hope they're scared. You should be scared of hell. Because it's a scary place. Isaiah said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Let me tell you something. I say to this, when I'm preaching through the Old Testament, where it's through Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, I believe it was really Ezekiel, where I made this statement after studying these Old Testament prophets, I stood up and said, praise God that I'm a New Testament preacher and not an Old Testament prophet. Man, God asked those men to do some things based on the Word of God. Like I think about Jeremiah. Remember when God said, Now Jeremiah, I want you to take a girdle, which is a belt, and I want you to, I want you to go out there and I want you to take that thing down to the Babylonian area. I mean, if you study that, you'll, you'll find out that guy had to take about a five or six month trip across a desert. It was so weird that Nebuchadnezzar said, Who is that guy? And they had to go back and report to Nebuchadnezzar who this wild-haired Baptist prophet was. And I'm using New Testament terminology, so don't correct me after this service. But I mean, this is like this guy's walking down there, he's got this girdle, and he goes in there and he puts it in a and he puts it in the uh, uh, a rock. And God said, "Okay, now you can go back home." And he travels all the way back home. He stood up and he preached to those people, and then all of a sudden, one day the word of God comes in. He said, "Hey, Jeremiah, remember that girdle?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I remember." I remember it took me five months to get there. Five months to get back. Now the text don't say that, but come on. If God asked you to walk to Arizona, wouldn't you go? Oh. If I got to Arizona, I'm not leaving. I mean, you know. So he gets back. So, so God says, I want you to go back and get that girdle. Now folks, I'm sorry, but I would like, excuse me, Lord. You want me to go back and get that girdle? And he did. And when he got it, it was marred. Remember that? And he said, now I want you to take the marred girl and I want you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to stand up, hold that up and say, preach to the people. You're marred like this. Now the whole world knew that Jeremiah made those trips down there to Babylon to put it in some rock somewhere. God didn't ask us to do this. He said, your responsibility is to preach the Word. And oh, by the way, I've already given you the Word. You don't have to get a revelation. You don't have to get a revelation. And those who say they do, they're liars. They're not preachers. They're liars. All these people chanting yourself. Listen, here's the only chant. Here's what I say. You're wicked sinners. We're all wicked sinners. Because that's what the Bible says. Cry aloud. No matter what else preaching does, listen to this. If it does not confront people with their sin, it's not Bible preaching. Preaching, listen to this, the difference between preaching and anything else, it brings people to a decision. That's what preaching does. When you expose the Scripture, when you preach the Word, Timothy, it's going to bring to light people's sins, it's going to bring conviction, it's going to convict them, it's going to, but it's going to bring them to a decision. If people say they're not going to make a decision, they have in fact already made a decision. But here's another thing. Preaching is comforting. The preacher is commanded to exhort in our text in verse number 2. When we exhort, we're encouraging, we're walking alongside, we're admonishing. And many of God's people are falling away in the sense because they've been reproved and rebuked, which is a specialty of many preachers. But they've not been exhorted and encouraged to serve the God. So get this out of your life and then get this in your life. Get rid of this stuff and serve the Lord because He's a good God. Just read in my Bible reading this morning where God said to He said to Moses, Moses was up on the mountain. Man, I was reading this. I was like, man, this is so... Just It's just right. It's just the way God is. Everybody talks about God being in the Old Testament, the law and all that. He said, he said Moses, I'm a gracious God. Moses, I'm a good God. I'm a God. I'm for you, Moses. I'm for the people. But they cannot do it their own way. And so the preacher must be faithful in helping people to reach 
their discipleship, if you would, and to, and to, and to, and to follow the Lord. Com- preaching is compassionate. Look at, it says this, go on, it says, preach the word. I told you that you can't get past verse two. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and when you're doing it, do it with all long suffering. The ministry of preaching, again, I wrote this, I got this in my notes. The preaching, the ministry of preaching needs to be measured by decades and not by weeks. That is, you know what the thought of here is? I think of that verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You know what it means? Keep on keeping on, don't stop, keep preaching. Jeremiah, he, they, uh, one, I can't, he said, don't look at their faces. Don't worry about what their faces look like. Man, do people not understand that you're standing up here and they're sitting out there? And you can like see them. But I'm sitting on the platform going, well, yeah, brother so-and-so didn't get enough sleep last night, did he? Oh, sister so-and-so's got an attitude today. wonder what that's all about. And, then the, and, the, and God said, don't, don't, don't look at their faces. Preach the Word. Preach the word. So, yeah, that's just a, <laughs> that's just free right there. Do people that stupid? They don't know you're looking at them? I don't know. But long suffering has to do with patience and endurance under affliction, provocation, carries the idea of restraint, uh, mistreatment without revenge. You, you know why people, you know why preachers are quitting today? Because they're so concerned about what everybody thinks. Let me tell you something. Another, time out. This is another old preacher to young preacher. The day that you can get over what other people think, that'll be a good day for you. Amen. Not, and I'm not being ugly about that. I'm just saying we need to be more concerned about preaching the Word and what God says than making sure that we make everybody happy. But Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy. 15. Because God is compassionate, He's long-suffering. When we... Uh, we as God's people are long-suffering. We actually exhibit a spirit produced uh, 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 that produces virtue, enables us to put up with people who try our patience. God puts people in our life for a reason. Help me, Lord. Help me. Speaking the truth in love. That's the theme that we've had for Berean Baptist Church this year. It came about, of course, number one, it's in the Bible, Ephesians. But number two, um, I'm, not bad, I'm not mad about being a Baptist. I'm an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, devil-hating, mission-minded, King James only, separated, holy living, still got standards. Boy, that's not popular today. Baptist, but but, 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 but but I'm not mad about it. Or well, some people are mad about it. Oh, they must be mad. Let me give you one more thing. I, I might be over time. Preaching is confirmed because it says this. We are commanded to preach doctrine. There's only one place in the Bible. No, sorry. There's only... There's only one place that you get doctrine. That's what I wanted to say. It's in the Bible. (laughs) And we're to preach the Bible. And if we preach the Bible, we're going to instruct people in sound Bible doctrine. Now notice what it says in verse number 3. Or I'm sorry, verse number 2, it says, "...with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine." Now the reason I read that is the word sound there has the idea of healthy. We need healthy doctrine. Did you know that what you believe about the church will be healthy for you? Do you know what you believe about the Bible will be healthy for you? Do you know that what you believe about missions will be healthy for you? That's sound. Listen, missions and church doctrine and holy living, uh, those are all those are all for your good. They're they're whole, they're they're sound. I've I've learned this. Listen. I there is nobody in the world loves uh, junk food like me, but but you know what? When I eat it, I don't feel good. But if I eat right, if I eat my meat and my vegetables cooked on my big green egg, praise the Lord, and I eat those vegetables and I eat things that are good for me, son, I can preach longer. 
and I feel better. So if I only preach like 20 minutes, people go, you must have had chili dogs last night. <laughs> Whoop, preacher's eating healthy again. Woo! Well, listen, doctrine is healthy. It's healthy for the church. It's healthy for the people. There's going to be help for our hearers. We must preach solid Bible doctrine. I want you to understand something this the, the, today. P- Timothy was warned that there would be people who would reject the Word of God. Many people mocked the Word of God, made fun of the Word of God. They make fun of preaching today. Many will not endure sound doctrine. Preach anyway. Amen. Sound doctrine is healthy, simple. It's so simply the teaching of the Word of God. Let me tell you something, my friend. Uh, you can't get any better than the preaching of the Word of God. If you're longing for revival, preach on sin and condemnation. Preach for sinners His salvation. Preach to Christians consecration. Preach on. If your sermon preach on. Never mind if they look bored, just preach on. If the devil looks down on it, if the critics frown upon it, many souls depend upon it, so preach on. If you step on someone's corns, well, preach on. Take the bull by the horns and preach on. Even though we may not like it, even though some try to fight it, where there's wrong, the Lord will right it. Preach on. Let not time be a restriction, just preach on. If the sinner's got conviction, then preach on. Christ can save his soul from hell, cleanse his heart and make him well, even if it's 12, so preach on. From the law to revelation, preach on. Christ for every situation, preach on. Even if your members doubt it and say they can do without it, if you've talked to God about it, preach on. Think of Christ on message clear and preach on. Therefore all who wish to hear, so preach on. All are sinners, they must know that His blood did freely flow. He can wash them white as snow, preach on. In the Holy Ghost power, preach on. He'll reward you in His hour, preach on. Broken hearts and sins forgiven, blessings here, so freely given and a crown up there in heaven. Oh, preach on, preach on, preach on. Preach the Word. And uh, there we are. We're on. All right. We're going to take a quick 10-minute break again, and uh, we'll come back, and Brother Elliot's going to preach.